This is Safety Bry, your number one safety geek. Why do we have the behaviors that we do? Superheroes in the workplace, right? All of those things that go into making you an effective safety manager. I love what we do. Motivation, learning, teaching, training, teamwork. I geek out over that just as much as I do safety. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Safety Geek Podcast. This is Bri, your number one safety geek, and how are you guys doing out there today? I have got the coolest, geekiest story, and I have got to tell it to you before we get on to our topic today, which I cannot wait to get to, which is crisis management drills, but before I do that, I have got to tell you something that got me so excited recently. Around the corner from my house is a Jehovah Witness church. And I don't know if you guys out there are very familiar with this religion, but back in my hotel days, I had a group come and stay at the hotel that told me a lot about their process of building a new church. So what the Jehovah Witness generally does, so Jehovah Witness church, I'm not really sure how you do the plural of them, witnesses, I guess. Anyway, what they do when they want to build a new church, they bring in all the members of their congregation, I would assume they call themselves, the congregation from the surrounding area, and they all get together and they literally like build the church like within days. It's an amazing process to watch. Around the corner from me is one of their churches, and they weren't building a new one in this case, but they were putting on a new roof. And I drive by, and it was the most amazing sight I have ever seen. Now, I wish I had stopped and took a picture, but in this day and age, like somebody surveilling them from the road probably wouldn't have looked that great. But I passed by this church, and there are tens of people around, walking around. Their parking lot is just filled with cars. And I would say there's easily... 30 to 50 people walking around. Every single one of them had a hard hat on, had uh, eye protection on, had safety boots, had a safety vest on. It was incredible. Can you hear me geeking out here? But this is just the beginning. The entire church was surrounded with scaffolding that was put up top notch. I mean, like perfect scaffolding surrounding this whole building. So that way, when they were up there working, their people were protected. I'm just sitting here going, they're building this house next to me. And it generally takes like, what, like four or five roofers to put the house up, to put the roof on. And they're out there in like cargo shorts and sneakers, no shirt on and definitely no fall protection. But no, here they're just replacing the roof on this church, not even replacing the whole roof, just like you know, when you redo the shingles every 20 years or so, just doing that. And they had full out safety gear. I was so happy. I had to take my daughter to drive by there. And she's like, mom, you are such a safety geek. And I'm like, I know, I know. It was incredible. I don't know if you guys have ever seen anything like that. And if you ever have the opportunity to see them put up a new church, it is an incredible site. It's been probably 20 years since I've seen that happen, because it was way back in my hotel days. So it was probably like 22, 23 years ago. 
when they were staying at, at the hotel. But they do, they like get all the safety in order, they get all their permits in order, they do everything in order, and then they just boom, get it up within days. So that way they can have it inspected at that time, the electric done, the plumbing done, everything. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool process to watch. So I just had to share that with you because I think you guys are the only ones who would understand why I geek out so much about that. And I just think it's funny when people try to fight us on doing things safely when here you have these novices and they're not they're not all novices cuz they obviously have some pretty smart people that know what they're doing but a lot of it is volunteer help so think like habitat for humanity type of thing um working and they're following all their all the safety rules so anyway all right so let's move on today's topic is crisis management drills and i'm not going to get into how to build a crisis management program. But let's go, let's start off by talking about what business continuity is and what crisis management is. So that way you can kind of get an overview because I know some operations don't even think that far in advance. I know when I first started to do it, it wasn't until I had everything else in place that we even said, okay, next step is crisis management. Okay. So what is crisis management? I like to think of it as job security. (laughs) It make sure that our jobs continue, that the business continues even in the event of a crisis. This could be an act of God. It could be, you know, something damaging. It could be um, anything that you can think of that could end up shutting the business down or closing the business down or stopping work for a period of time. And I like to think of crisis management as thinking with the end in mind. So it's preparing for the worst and having a plan for any situation that you that can possibly come to mind, right? So if you think that, you know, you can get snow accumulation on your roof, which could cause a roof collapse. So you plan for that type of stuff in advance. So obviously, you're going to try to prevent it from happening. But some things like a tornado, a hurricane, you can only plan so much, and then it's still going to happen. So how are you going to make sure that your business continues? And that way, you still have a job. You is uh, along with everybody else. So my first class in crisis management actually opened up my eyes big time because in Florida, we always think about hurricanes and we always think, okay, hurricane's going to come and it's going to blow everything down and everything's going to be wiped out. But in my crisis management class, they said, try to think about things. Yes, you do need to include that on your list, but also think about things that you can't prepare for. Things that you know, could just happen out of the blue. Tornadoes are one of those, right? Tornadoes give you less of a warning than hurricanes do. Hurricanes, you've got like a seven-day advance warning that it could possibly hit you, right? But a tornado, you might only have a couple of days warning that this, the storms are severe enough to create a tornado. Or maybe you didn't get a warning at all until all of a sudden the alarm started going off. But what my crisis management teacher said was sinkholes, Think about sinkholes. Or he, or he brought up alien abduction too, just as a joke, which I thought was really funny. But sinkholes are a real, pro, pro, uh, a real probability, right? So a sinkhole can open up at any time, anywhere, and just suck everything in. Do you remember that sinkhole underneath that fancy car dealership that sucked up like classic cars that there was only one of? It was like a museum or something? That was awful. Worse, the sinkhole that opened up underneath that guy's house 
And he was never seen. It opened up right underneath his bedroom and he fell down into it and they, they never recovered his body. I also heard of one in Illinois where it was a golfer on a green, right? And it just opened up right under him. And I know my, my ex-father-in-law was at a gas station and one just opened up right there by his car. His tires were like hanging off the edge. So sinkholes, so when you think about crisis management, think about stuff like that too. What would you do in case that happened to make sure that your business continues? You want to have a plan for those type of things. And like I said, I'm not going to go into the details of creating a plan because that would take multiple podcasts. But the basics of a plan are having a method of identifying what could happen and what the results would be if it did happen. And then taking steps for what can you prepare in advance now. So think of like snow accumulation on the roof. You can put checklists and things in place for snowstorms to make sure you clear the snow off the roof, right? So the, the roof doesn't collapse um, from the weight of the snow. And also have processes in place to ensure that your business continues in the event that one of these disastrous things happen. So what I like to think about why this is so important is several years ago, let me think, it was when I was at the beef company, so it was probably like 10 years ago, I was working at a meat processing plant. And you know, when you when you work within an industry, you get a lot of industry news and things like that. I got this industry news about this processing plant fire. It was a meat processing plant that caught fire. And what they were doing, luckily it was on the weekend, so there were no workers in the building. They were welding some racking in the warehouse. And meat is extremely flammable. Think about it. There's a lot of fat in meat, and you know, we do cook it, that type of stuff. So they were doing the welding. Nobody was watching for sparks. They didn't have fire watch. One of the boxes caught on fire, which the entire warehouse is full of cardboard boxes, caught on fire. And it spread so quickly that these two to three maintenance guys that happened to be in the building, they could do nothing about it by the time they they recognized what was going on. And it engulfed the entire processing plant. And the thing was is that, yeah, there was only two or three people in the building at the time. And thank God there was no... Um, injuries and no life safety issues, but the entire business was burnt up. This was a business that uh, employed 800 people in a town of 2000. Think about that. I don't know if they ever rebuilt the plant, but that meant that those 800 people were out of work. So having a continuity plan thinks about these things ahead of time, right? So yes, they probably should have had fire watch. And yes, there were things they could have done to prevent it. That's a whole nother story. But if a fire happens, let's say your building gets hit by, hit by lightning and starts that same type of fire, how are you going to make sure that your business continues? All right, so that's why I feel like this is so important. And fire is one of the things that I am always scared of myself. My kids actually tease me about how scared I am of fire. Because I don't want to lose my stuff, right? And you do, you kind of have to start from scratch again. And some businesses, if they burn down, they may never start from scratch again. They may say, nah, we're just not going to bother. We're going to just take our insurance money and run. Having a plan in place kind of helps you continue the business. So typical things that I see for people in their plans to make sure that their business continues is to have offsite storage. So you might want to store things for the business offsite, like your data. 
your uh, IT storage, things like that, important papers, documents, uh, computer backups, all that good stuff. Having a good relationship with your suppliers and your competition, right? So you can actually partner with your competition that in the event of a crisis, they'll take over your business and vice versa. When they have a crisis, you'll take over their business, but you won't steal each other's business. Once everyone is back up and running again, it, it returns back. It's just a relationship. Cloud access to important documents. So a lot of times when a crisis happens, you can't get to your computer because it's in the building and you can't get in the building. So you want to have cloud access to it so that way you can access it from any computer. A go box for your office. So think about think about the people that like to prepare for the zombie apocalypse. So think about that, but for an office. What kind of stuff would you need if your office disappeared, where you can immediately set up an office offsite. So I used to keep envelopes and um, letterhead and office supplies and all of that in a tote box in an offsite storage. So that way you could easily just set up an office anywhere. Emergency information lines, having a dedicated number that people can call into to get information. So let's say a hurricane is coming and you're going to shut down your business, you can leave a message to your employees. So that way they can call this number and know, okay, this is what's going on. Or if there's a fire at your plant, you know, are we returning to work? What are we doing? There's a number they can call to get information. So instead of them calling and bugging you, you can leave a message on this dedicated line. You can do this a lot of times either by using a service, but you can have a dedicated line within your phone system that just goes to a voicemail. And since most of that is kept in a cloud and not on site, that that data, it would still work. I also kept a list of local shelters. So if I knew evacuations were happening in my area, I'd be able to find my employees and make sure that they were okay and see if they wanted to work. You know, people living in a shelter, they don't want to stay in that shelter all day. (laughs) They actually do want to work. You know, how can I locate them, find out where they're going to be, and then see if they want to come help us get our business back up and running. And then a list of the employees contingency planned. So every year, every two years, I would send out a survey to my employees going in the event of this type of disaster, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave the state to go stay with family? Are you going to go to a local shelter? Are you going to hunker down within your house? Whatever it happened to be. And I throw that into a database in cloud storage. So we can always understand like we knew what employees were where and how we could get the help that we needed. So those are just typical little some tips about crisis management. But the thing is, is that you can have the best plan in place. You really can. It could be like top notch. This is stellar. Like my crisis management plan fit into a three ring binder. It was that detailed. But if you're not practicing it, it does you no good. Because the way the human condition works is that in the event of a crisis, we always fall back to our training and to what we're used to doing. So crisis management drills are a way for you to actually practice your crisis management plan in a reasonable manner that isn't going to take too much time. If you do this regularly, then it makes it very easy for your team to act in the event of a crisis. They know what to do. They know who's in charge. They know what's going to happen, you know, and then doing the drills helps you identify any weak spots or things you can put in place to help prevent things from happening as well. You'll see this in our emergency services 
all the time, right? You see the fire department doing it. You see the police department doing it. You know, if you've ever been lucky enough to participate or witness one of those drills where they like put dead people all over the floor, you know, you got to like be an actor and like play a dead person as part of the crisis. That's pretty cool. And it's a lot of fun. But those simulation drills are really important because it gives that role playing because in training, role playing and the actual tactical um, response and getting that type of kinetic type of training through the brain helps embed that training into the memory so that when an emergency happens, you just act and you don't have to think about it and you don't panic, right? So doing that type of drill is not really practical for most operations. I know it was never practical for mine. As much as we wanted to do it, you're talking about shutting down the business for several hours in order to do that. And that's just not practical. The alternative is to do a tabletop drill, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So what a tabletop drill is, it's actually talking through what you would do in an emergency it's documenting it, and then it's discussing what went well and what could have went better, and then creating a follow-up process so that you can prepare for when this does happen. I will tell you that most of the tabletop drills I did, we ended up improving our checklist, improving our inspection process, improving everything, and it got everybody on the same page. So it got everybody to understand, like, hey, we have to think about these things. And what was really cool is that I would bring a drill to the table that was about potable water, right? And and us losing potable water. And in a meat processing type facility, you can't operate without water. So we would be doing the drill on that. And then all of a sudden, all these other ideas for future drills would come up. You know, what if there was a fire in the kitchen hood or, you know, different things would come up based on them. So scenarios that I never even thought of for my crisis management plan would also come up too. So I would end up having improvements in my crisis, crisis management plan as well. Let's go through how you actually do a tabletop drill. The first step is to plan a topic. So if you have a crisis management plan, you already have a list of possible crises, crises <laughs> that could happen because you've, you've already identified what kind of situations can happen. What are the acts of God that we could be exposed to? What about violence? What about, you know, employee issues? What, you know, all those different things. So things that I think of usually are weather, earthquake, flood, because I was in food processing, I always thought of lack of water. Police strike could be one. A rack collapse because I was in warehousing. It's what I thought of a lot. A major equipment malfunction, right? So if you have a, a piece of equipment that your business depends upon and that equipment goes down for three days, what are you going to do? Do you just, oh, that's okay. We just don't meet quotas. Or maybe you're your contingency plan is we're going to work the weekend. Who knows? But you have to think about these things ahead of time so that way you're well prepared. That's the first one is you want to plan a topic. And I love to change my topic for every drill. The ones that are likely to happen, I will repeat. But I generally like, and we'll talk about how often I like to do these drills, but I do like to repeat the ones that happen more often, but I do like to change them up because it makes the tabletop drill more fun too. So that way we're not talking about the same thing every single time. Next is you're going to create a narrative of the scenario and the timeline of the story. 
So this is the fun part. So you get to actually like write a story about what happened. So you get to just make something up. Ray was cooking some meat in the kitchen and, you know, the grease splashed and it caught on, it landed on this towel that was full of oil and I don't know, and it just started a fire. Whatever it could be, you get to create a story about what happened. So that is your initial story. This is the initial crisis. Could be, you know, Hurricane Irma came blowing in. That's the first part. And then you create like, this is what happened. This is where everybody is at the time that this happened. And then you're going to create a storyline, which means every 30 minutes or so, you're going to interject something new that happened. Like, yeah, we evacuated and one of the employees that evacuated has collapsed. We don't know why, you know, that type of thing. So you create three to five of them. I love to have one of those three to five to be a media relations one. Like, oh, the news crew has just arrived. What are we going to do? They have three vans and five reporters and video cameras, you know, so that way we can prepare for how are we going to handle the media in that case. Or part of the building collapsed, or, you know, maybe you had water and now you don't have water. Whatever it could be, you just make the scenario more difficult and different things that could happen. So you prepare three to five of those as well. So the whole idea is that you create this timeline of the story And it could be like 30 minutes after the initial, it could be like four days later, this happens. And then your next steps, this is all just the prep. We're not actually doing it yet. We're just preparing for it. The next step is to decide who needs to be there. So generally, it's going to be your management team, but you might want to include some supervisors or some maintenance people. So if I was talking about an ammonia response, an ammonia leak in the refrigeration system, I would include my ammonia tech in the meeting as well. Whoever's significant that is on is going to be on property at the time of your fake scenario, you make sure that they're included in the meeting as well. And then you plan your meeting. I will tell you, plan your first one to be four hours long. And I know that sounds like what I could not get my management team to agree to a 30-minute meeting, let alone a four-hour meeting. But I will tell you, I fought tooth and nail to get my first one done. And the results were so incredible that from that point forward, nobody ever fought me on it. They just loved to do it because it was fun. And two, because we got really good results from it. And they saw that it wasn't just me barking orders at them. It was a team effort really, really fight to get the four hours for your first one. And I explained to them, like, whether we're there for the four hours is really up to you guys, but I want us to have the time in case we need it. This is the first time we're doing it. We don't know how long we're going to need. So we're going to plan for longer than what we think we're going to need. So you want to have a conference room. I love to have the ability to use a whiteboard or a flip chart, have access to a computer to throw stuff up on the screen if we need to, depending upon where the conversation is going. It gives you a place to brainstorm ideas and things like that. And you want to have handouts. I like to, I don't want my handouts given out all at once. So I like to have my narrative handout, like here is my narrative and I hand that out to begin with. And then maybe I hand out a notes thing too, you know, because we we will have follow up afterwards. And then every time there's an interjection, I have that as a handout as well. Because people 
take in information differently. You're listening to this podcast, so you're probably the type of person that likes to take things in through an audio format, but there are some people that need to read it. You want to make sure you're accommodating for everybody on your team and you're not assuming that everybody takes in information the same way. Some people need to actually see it. That's why I like to do handouts as well as I'm going to read the narrative too. Okay, so that is all of your pre-planning. You've got your topic picked out, you've created your narrative scenario, and you've created some timeline story interjections to go along with it. You've invited the right people to be at the meeting. And you know what? Here's the thing. You get to the meeting and some of those people don't show up, still go on because you know what? During a crisis, they may be out sick that day. And it just allows everybody else to go, oh, you know, Bill isn't here. What are we going to do instead? that type of thing. Um, And then you've got your meeting planned and it's on your schedule. That is all your pre-planning work. Now, when you actually go to do your crisis management drill, you are not part of the drill. You are the narrator. You are the note taker. You are not on property when the crisis happens. The idea of this is that you want them to be prepared to handle the crisis without you. Now, it's not like you can't answer questions and that you're this silent observer in the room, but you want them to understand that they can handle this and that they need to learn from this. You already know what to do. You're the safety professional. You study this stuff. You know how you want it to play out. You telling them what to do does not help them internalize the information enough for them to act during a crisis. So you can lay out in the beginning, and I always do this during my drills. Remember, guys, I am the facilitator. I am not part of this crisis. I am not going to help you come up with solutions. If you have simple questions that I can answer to make it go quicker, I may do that. But in general, I'm staying nonverbal during this meeting and I'm just taking notes and I'm the one that is going to narrate the scenario and the interjections with you. Okay, so now you have your crisis ready to start. (laughs) You know your role. They know their roles, which is just to be themselves. And you have everything prepared. You're going to start by reading the scenario. So you read it and then you say, what are you going to do? And you might go around the table and have each person say what they would do in that moment of the crisis. And then you verbally go through the chain of events. So when they feel stuck, you can just go, what will you do next? What will happen next? What are the other things you need to think about? And this whole time you're taking notes about it and you document what's discussed. And as their discussion timeline, so if you think about it, I'm saying that my issue is, you know, a roof collapse in the warehouse from too much snow. And all of these steps have taken place since then. They've got the refrigeration system under control. They have that shut down. They have all the employees accounted for. They have notified the customers. It's now literally an hour after the fake incident happened. You then go, okay, hold up, guys. I'm now going to give you an an interjection. And then you read your little timeline story, pass out those handouts, and then you go, what are you going to do? And you do the same thing over and over again until you get through all of your three to five interjections that you came up with. It is amazing. 
I love to do tabletop drills so much because a lot of times as a safety manager, I question my management team as to whether or not they're actually understanding what I'm teaching them or understanding the safety and emergency management the way that I understand it because I've been trained on it. And then when you watch your team just really, you know, show up, I have never done one of these where everybody acted like they didn't know what to do. It gave me so much more confidence in my management team. I knew that I didn't always have to be there because they had it handled and they learned how to make decisions on the fly. It was just amazing. All right, so once you've made it through everything, all of your interjections, you have all of your notes, everyone's like, we're done. We're back to normal operations. That's when you do an after action review. And I generally just, I had a form, I think, if you're on my email list, if I find the form, I'll send it out in one of my weekly emails. But I used to have a form for just an after action review. And we would just discuss, okay, we would always start with what went really well? What do you guys think that we did that we, we did really well? What do you think we could improve upon? And we would discuss that. What corrective actions do we need to make right away? A lot of times it was putting an inspection or calling a vendor or changing a checklist or something like that, a tracking system, whatever it happened to be. And anything that was a to-do item off of that after action review went into our corrective action tracking system. And we used one tracking system for all of our reported hazards, our accident investigations, and then our crisis management drills. And then we would follow up with those corrective actions. It was so much fun. I hope if you've never done one of these, I so hope that you do one. They're amazing. So how often should you do them? I would say a minimum is once a year, but the more often you do them, the more effective they are. My preferred is three times a year because we actually got it down to where it was just a two-hour meeting once every four months. And it really helped the management team not only work together as a team, so it became a team-building event, but it helped them feel more prepared too. So we would always do one before hurricane season. And then we would do uh, two others throughout the year, which were not hurricane related. And one of them, we used to invite the fire department in. So being a company that had an ammonia refrigeration system, we would once a year bring the fire department in and have them inspect our facility. So that way they were prepared in case something happened. And then we would do a tabletop drill with them as well. So we had our hurricane drill, we had our fire department usually did like an ammonia leak type of one. And then we would come up with some different one for the third one. So we would do those three times a year. What you'll find is that you guys will get so good at contingency planning and at being ready for anything. And when you feel that confidence of being ready for anything, it makes you so much stronger for your business to continue. And what's so amazing about having this type of process in place is you can share it with your customers. You can share with your customers that you plan for business continuity. That actually makes you a stronger supplier depending on who you're selling to. 
like, oh, you know, their product's always going to be available. They've got, you know, if you have, if your end customer is another business, that's extremely important. If you have a business to business type of operation, that's extremely important. If you're selling directly to consumers, that might not be as important to a consumer, but business to business, they want to see that you have crisis management in place and it makes you a stronger supplier. So it's definitely a selling point for your sales team and for your management team as well. Alrighty, my friends, I hope you like this. I know I liked it. I love crisis management. I just love the idea of like, let's plan for an alien abduction, you know, (laughs) or the zombie apocalypse. I think the zombie apocalypse is probably more my speed. I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. And I will chat at you next week. You have a safe day. Bye-bye. You know what? I have a hunch that you have a BSF, a best safety friend, who would love to know about this show. Well, don't keep it to yourself. Sharing is caring. Stop what you're doing right now and forward this show to them. They will thank you. And don't forget to check out the show notes and links for this week's episode at thesafetygeek.com.